couldn't believe it. They, I mean, the first thing they did, like you've just said, is um, age. What are you doing that for at your age? But I want to keep going as long as possible. It's about allocating resources in the right way, utilising the levy effectively, ensuring entry-level apprenticeships are supported. Apprenticeships originally are all about a tool of social justice and trying to give an opportunity to everybody, and we can't forget that. I've had that just desire just to push on and get to where I want to be and when this application came up I just was myself. I knew what I was capable of and what I can do. A lot more needs to be done to support small businesses particularly. We're in very much a small business economy now. You know if you've got a good company behind you, you've got a good training department who give you as much support as is humanly possible then I think you know, in all honesty, you should go for it. There are so many more pros than cons to apprenticeships. And please, please always consider it. It is totally worth it. It's actually changed my life, really. Welcome to All About Apprenticeships, brought to you by the HomeServe Foundation. I'm Georgie Frost, and coming up in this episode, it's an industry worth billions of pounds. And it's one that leads the way when it comes to technology and forward thinking. So why is the gaming industry so behind the times when it comes to apprenticeships? According to a recent report, there are only 35 active apprenticeships in the UK gaming sector, and more than half of those in the industry say they had no idea how an apprenticeship scheme could even work. Well, I'll be speaking shortly to Susie Bauer and Declan Cassidy from Intergames, who are behind that report. Intergames is a non-profit that supports people on their journey in developing the skills and confidence they need to thrive in the gaming sector. But first, here's Anna Morrison to tell us what she makes of this week's big topic. Hello, my name is Anna Morrison and I'm the founder and director of Amazing Apprenticeships. So for any employers working in a niche or relatively new industry, wondering if there will be an apprenticeship that might be suitable for them, these would be my top tips. So firstly, start by looking on the Institute for Apprenticeships and Technical Education website. The address is www.instituteforapprenticeships.org. On this website, you can search for the different apprenticeship standards that have been approved for delivery and also those that are in development. So this is where groups of employers are working together to design new apprenticeship standards. On this site, you can put in different keywords and it will then conduct a search for you and show you any results that match. That's a really great place to start. Secondly, I would suggest reaching out to a local training provider. You may already be working with one or you may know of a local college or university or independent training provider in your local area who might be able to help you. Thirdly, there are many roles that are actually quite generic to any business. So even though you might be working in quite a niche or specialist industry, there will be job roles like administration, HR, finance, digital marketing that actually are quite generic. But your training provider may be able to work with you to look at how those apprenticeships could be bespoke to make them more suitable to your business. You could ask other employers working in your industry. So if you're aware of other employers that have managed to use apprenticeships for their workforce, they can be a really rich source of advice and inspiration. They may be able to connect you into a great training provider as well and kind of fast track you through some of those stages of research. And finally, if you still can't find anything, there is also the Department for Education's Apprenticeships and Skills Helpline, which is 08000 150 600. 
Thank you, as always, to Anna. Now, welcome to Susie and Declan. Declan, before we dive into your report, just give us an idea, a bit of a flavour about what you do at Intergames. Uh, it's, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's great to be here. Thank you for having us on. Um, yeah, so, I mean, at Intergames, we're all about creating um, a fair and equitable pathway um, into the games industry um, and providing uh, skill development, career progression, support to anyone, no matter their background, um, when it comes to you know getting a job in games. Um, and it's really difficult to get a job in games. So you know people need as much support as possible. And if you are you know from a challenging background, um, uh, then that's it's, it's it's even more important that the support's there. And Intergames was set up about four years ago now to um, provide that. Um, as a non-profit um, to anyone that was looking for that information online because it, um, it it's there's a lot of information out there about how to get into the games industry, but it's uh, it's quite complex to navigate. So we wanted to make it really easy, connect people directly to industry professionals and create a whole bunch of program work for um, the UK specifically that would support people holistically at different points in their journey. So, you know, going right from secondary school through college and university into kind of adult career changes. Um, and um, through that mission, you know, apprenticeships are a big part of that. And, um, you know, we've, we've suddenly just found ourselves um, at, the, at, the, at the center of that conversation and, and kind of leading that, um, that journey for the mm. sector to kind of, you know, br- bring, in, bring in apprenticeships and make them something that's kind of viable and something that's normalized. Well, I want to delve into that, of course, in a lot more detail. But briefly, Susie, why is it so hard to get into the gaming industry? Is it because it's so popular, as I imagine it would be? Or is it there just aren't the right path pathways for people to take? It's definitely a mix of factors. So one, yes, it is very popular. So many young people grow up as gamers. And once they realize, well, I could actually not just play the games, I could make them, you know, many of them are really keen to get in there. So part of our our work is also to make sure they have all the info materials provided, you know, what roles that even out there, because there's so many roles that people don't even realize exist. So for example, um, so my job before this was I worked in localization, so I translated the games from English into German, which is something I was never aware of that that is a possible choice. Or also, you know, with artists, for example, there are so many different specializations. You can be a character artist or a concept artist, environment artist. There's like lots of different pathways, and yeah, so it's there's a lot of competition. Lots of people try to get in, and the second big issue that the people face is there's just not enough entry-level roles by far so there was recently a screenshot someone shared of a games uh, portal with games job and it had over 4,000 senior and lead roles and only 24 graduate roles and five entry-level roles and if you let that sink in you will notice it is really difficult to make that mm. step in and actually you know get a foot in the door so hopefully we can change that <laughs> which is where i imagine apprenticeships fit in and it seems absolutely crazy in an industry that so many young people i have a 10 year old mm. nephew in particular i'm sure he'd love to be part of this industry uh, yet there are so few apprenticeship routes in just talk mm. me through if you would um declan about the report the findings in your report yeah, so you know, we 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 kind of uh, wanted ourselves to understand the landscape of what was happening, and so we went to industry, um, spoke to uh, over a hundred kind of C level executives from forty different major studios in the UK to find out um, what the general sentiment was, what was already happening, um, you know, what what potentially were their ambitions if if they had any around apprenticeships. 
Um, and uh, firstly, we, we kind of found out that there was a lot of money sitting there um, in terms of the levy spend for these studios. So, you know, we, we, we kind of estimated that as over 4 million that was sitting there just doing nothing. Um, so, you know, there was a, there was a reasonable amount of cash there to do some, do some training work for the sector. Um, I think you mentioned at the start as well, you know, that we could only find around 35 active apprenticeships that were happening in a sector of, you know, over 20,000 people. So there was a, there was a lot of room for growth there. The good news was that the overall sentiment for apprenticeships was great. So, you know, um, we, we had, uh, just under 95% of those that were asked, um, agreed that apprenticeships should be as valid a route as university into games, into the game sector more widely. Um, and, and we had 92% saying that, you know, they would use apprenticeships to increase the diversity of their, of their staff. Um, so there was, there was a, you know, there was a sense that they were good things. And there was certainly a sense from a lot of the studios we spoke to that they would, they would go ahead and implement those things if the information was clearer. So in over half of those studios that we, we spoke to said that, you know, they would put apprenticeships in place in the next 12 months if they had the right information and, um, and they'd be happy to move forward with that. But of course, you know, they didn't feel like they did. Um, so, you know, as, as you mentioned, a lot of those studios, um, don't really understand anything about apprenticeships. They don't understand how to implement them. They, they kind of feel like they're good, but they don't fully understand the business benefits that are there. Um, so why I speak to a lot of different industries and, um, this seems to be one of the most behind when it comes to the advantages of apprenticeship. Sorry, it's true. It's true. Well, it's funny my perspective. <laughs> completely yeah absolutely you know and i think i think because the industry is really new really if you kind of look at it it's only it's only really about 30 years old you know um you know i mean you could go a bit further than that but in its kind of current state um it's 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 new so uh it, it doesn't have the same history as, as other industries like you know construction or whatever that have like big long histories of apprenticeships you know being an integral part of how they do things um you know the the traditional hiring methods of going to university and employing graduates. That's how the games industry has run, you know, um, for, for a long time. And, you know, the industry has very tight time deadlines on things and it doesn't like to shake the boat very much. It doesn't want to, it doesn't, you know, it, it's, 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 a, it's, it's quite timid in that sense because, you know, it, there's so much riding on one thing. Um, you know, this game gets released and either, you know, it, it's success or a failure, but of course, you know, you, you don't want to, you don't want to, have any chance of it being a failure so you know anything that feels a bit scary like apprenticeships in their eyes you know that they don't kind of fully understand feels too much of a risk um and uh, I, I think i think that's changing i definitely i know it's changing currently um probably because the industry is more stable than it's ever been um you know it's got more money than it's ever had um and it's willing to take more risks than it used to so there, there there's a real opportunity now to make a big difference i think We've talked a lot about skills gaps in other different sectors. I'm just wondering if a skills gap exists in gaming. There's definitely some, though it might not be the the typical case that you have in other areas where, you know, maybe sometimes the processes and time change and someone in a role falls behind. But more one thing we have in the industry is we have a lot of internal movements. So someone might start off in a career in games and they want to stay in games, but they might want their career to shift. So this is an exciting skill gap. We often have come up that someone might start off as a tester and quality assurance person and then figure out over time, actually, I'd like to be able to learn how to program and 
switch into a role where I can fix the, the things myself or someone who starts off in customer service wants to become a community manager. So we have interesting room for, you know, changing careers there. And at the moment, a lot of this is happening through informal mentorship schemes that we set up and we try to help each other out or through, you know, people providing qualifications and training, but apprenticeships would be such a fantastic way of, you know, enabling people to move internally and stay in the, um, in the industry while changing their career. And I think the other skill gap we sometimes have is just people coming in at entry level roles, which I also think is why there's so few is they might have all the skills to succeed in their role per se. When it comes to, you know, the hard skills, they might be a really good artist, but they will also, they have to do a lot of learning because, before they can work in a studio, just because we are so fast paced and so well connected. It's just such a big machine understanding how a game comes together is very complex you have to work with so many different departments and moving bits that that can be quite difficult for a entry-level people and also career changes anyone coming in from the tech world or other things they have to understand how games work which is you know mm. yeah. <laughs> a difficult bit Declan, I think Susie's beautifully outlined that there could be a, an unbelievably natural fit for apprenticeships in this in this sector what do you think the impact could be uh, I mean, I think it could be really transformative. You know, we certainly wouldn't be putting all the resources and time into it if we didn't think that was the case. Um, you know, I think that the the game sector is a, an incredibly open and welcoming sector, actually. You know, um, it does have issues with diversity like any tech sector, but um, it has been making big strides to try and sort that out. But there are still some... Um, you know, kind of big gaps within that. So, you know, certainly in the kind of technical side, um, there's, you know, there's a lack of women, um, there's a there's a lack of people from different ethnic minorities, there's a lack of people from low income backgrounds. And I think that's the one we're most interested in, you know, so, you know, that it's, it's, you know, it, it's very difficult for someone from a low income background to get access to, to the games to a career in the game sector. And I think that um, apprenticeships can really support that journey. But it's a big task, because, you kind of have to start at the really high level apprenticeships and then work backwards. So the one we're really heavily involved with at the moment is the level seven games program apprenticeship. Um, and of course that's at master's level. So, you know, the people already have to be pretty, pretty mm. um, a fay with certain programming languages or certain ways of working before they can be accepted as a candidate onto that. But, you know, the way we see it is it's a long-term thing here. So, you know, we're also at the same time working on how we can adapt the level four, for example, software developer, to be a stepping stone to that level seven. And and once we've got that in place, then you can start going, okay, yeah, someone from college, you know, um, from a, a certain background or a challenging background can go from there to a level four to a level seven. Um, and that provides a route that's outside of university that won't give them any debt, um, that will give them a paid job as early as possible. And, you know, we really want to see that happening across the different discipline areas um, uh, across the game sector. So currently there's no um, apprenticeship standards for art. There's no apprenticeship standards for production in games. Um, there's a lot a lot of work to do to, to, to make it so that every single um, discipline in the game sector has some kind of accessible vocational route into it. Um, and uh, we're starting with with programming because a lot of work previous to us not 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 to do, we're not taking any credit I don't think for the for actually developing that standard that was um, a lot of that is down to um, uh, uh, a lot of other people during that journey but certainly implementing that bringing the training providers together ensuring there's really good candidates um, and making it as easy as possible for a studio to say yes that's 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 the work we need to do and making those pathways as accessible as possible is like the biggest thing for us. That's, that's, mm. that's a, that's a big part of what we need to do. And 
There's also work around boot camps and training that exists outside of the apprenticeship to get people ready for those apprenticeship placements as well. And, and we're doing a lot of work there too, to once again, make it as accessible as possible. Boot camps. Susie, that sounds intimidating. <laughs> yeah, we actually changed the wording of that on our website to program because we okay. were thinking it doesn't have the nicest string to it. But yeah, one one thing we're doing, for example, at the moment, we're trying to support uh, a, the start of a cohort of level four digital community managers in October. And before that, we worked together with some other partners, um, Spiral Games and Game Anglia and not Spiral Games, Spiral Skills and Game Anglia. Uh, and together with them, we worked out like a 10-week program that is free to the attendees. And what they what they get is we work with the industry. We get in specialists from different studios so they can meet them, talk about what it means to be a digital community manager, what skills they need to build. They get lots of practical exercises as well so that they, after 10 weeks, they can A, decide, is this even for me? You know, because an apprenticeship is a big commitment. But if they have this, these 10 weeks, they can test it out. They can try different areas and then say, is it for me? And for any studio who will hire these apprentices then or like bring them on to be an apprentice for them it's a big win because they have someone who's keen and ready to work and already understands a lot more about the industry than someone who doesn't come from a training program so yeah that's Mm. (laughs) that's one of the things we do you look after vocational pathways general career advice for the people that you work with in your view what are the main barriers to implementing great apprenticeship schemes that benefit both company and the apprentices themselves within this sector what are the challenges on on every side okay that's a big question so i'll start with we already talked about the lack of information in studios so sometimes studios don't understand what's out there what they can utilize and what they might need to still put in some work to make it work better I think another blocker for many studios, and we just had a talk about this earlier, uh, was we discussed with someone who said that when he had to bring forward apprenticeships in their studio, he had to combat the, that idea that people said, well, they spent you know, up to 20% of their work time on training, but we need them full-time or we're paying them full-time. Does that is that a good return of investment and making people understand that, yes, it absolutely is because training is a lot more than just sitting down and learning theory, but it's, you know, learning things and then putting them into work at the same time. It's working with mentors. It's, you know, can be shadowing and all these, all these many uh, fantastic aspects. So getting people to really understand the benefits is, is important to us. Um, from a company side, I think there's often also concern about not being able to support apprentices in a very fast-paced day-to-day. As we said before, it's a complex industry and it's very, it has a lot of timelines. It has a lot of deadlines and it's often very ever-shifting. Uh, and being able to then also make time for an apprentice is something that I think scares people. Uh, and I think here it's very important to reassure them that a you know, mentors often will get training before the apprentice starts and can also be brought up to the um, skill level. And also that um, mentors obviously also gain really valuable skills for that. And it actually benefits them just as much as an apprentice to, to help them because teaching something will, you know, deepen your knowledge and understanding of a field um, a lot. So those are the, the barriers, I think, for studios. Um, and I think for young people, I think one of the barriers is, again, that sometimes people don't think in that 
broad terms about all the roles that are out there. They just think, I want to work in games. And they might just think of, well, I can become a programmer or an artist. So for them, it's also important to really look at what are my skills, you know, not just what I want to do, but what am I actually good at? And is there maybe an apprenticeship in games that matches my skill set a lot better? And how can I find this? And how can I present myself in a good way? Um, so those are some, I think, potential blockers. <laughs> I imagine, thank you very much, De- Declan, I imagine your report has come up with some recommendations for tackling this problem. What are you pushing for? Yeah, so um, so we we came out with kind of six major recommendations um, to to try and push forward this whole thing in the sector, and um, they were kind of initially developing um, some regular training for 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 studios and HR leaders in those studios about what you know what the benefits of apprenticeships are, sharing best practice, um, you know, kind of showcasing the um, successes of those apprenticeships that the apprentices that currently exist. And and we actually just came off one of those right off from the, the, the last last call we had, we did a, um, an event with Yuki, um, which is the, the big games trade body, um, looking at, you know, talking about apprenticeships, frankly, and um, uh, giving some guidance around that. And we will hope to do more of those regularly as we go forward. Um, we uh, needed to set up a national task group, which was made up of um, industry training providers, um, local government, um, and um, uh, kind of regional apprenticeship support organisations. Um, we set that up earlier on this year, and that's been incredibly powerful so far. So, you know, we we, we certainly aren't the only organisation that wanted to push forward apprenticeships in games, um, and there were a lot of other fantastic organisations that have been doing work before us around this. Um, certainly to create some of those game specific standards so um we wanted to bring everybody together get everybody on the same page and get everybody pulling in the same direction um uh which we we kind of have which is which is fantastic so um you know that comes to you know what new standards do we need to create as a group um you know how how can we make sure that the right cohorts are being promoted at different times of the year that kind of stuff so you know as 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 we're all aware, like it's spinning lots of plates, you know, um, you've got, you've got to spin so many things and it all has to, all, they all have to spin at the same time at the same speed, you know, and, and that's really difficult when you're talking about an entire sector and especially a sector that doesn't really have a history of apprenticeships, n- nor has any specific specialist training providers that exist either, you know, so, so we've had to kind of support the creation of those as well and, um, and do that all as a small nonprofit, you know, which is, which has been difficult, but that's been really, really useful so far. Um, uh, we needed to create some some training, pre-apprenticeship training. So these these, these kind of prog- training programs that we're talking about. Um, so the former boot camps. So that that kind of th- those kind of training programs needed to be created to to make it more accessible to all. So we need to develop more of those. Um, adapt and create new standards. So you know we, there's there's some specific standards that we're looking at creating over the next twelve months or beginning that process. Certainly in art. There's no standards in art at all. And obviously that's a massive part of, of the game sector, but then also in production and also tech art, which is a really like we're talking about the skills gap previously. Um, a tech artist is just like gold dust at the moment. And there's no real university training courses even to create tech artists. So there's a, there's a real potential there to actually have an apprenticeship standard that's that's even gets in there before universities to create a really vocational way of of, of developing um, that particular job role that is that's just massively in demand at the moment and will only continue to be in demand. Um, and then um, uh, encouraging the setup of more training organisations that are games focused. You know, I mean, um, at the moment there isn't really any. Um, we've 
been part of a, of a group that has, has kind of created one. Um, but uh, but we need to see more of those. So there needs to be some competition around that and um, there needs to be some support. But of course, you can't have more trading providers until the demand's there, you know? So mm. we have to kind of prove demand, say, you know, that there is, you know, however many hundred um, uh, uh, apprenticeship places every year that the game sector can offer. And then suddenly you can create that kind of market space, but it's a bit chicken and egg at the moment. So our role as a nonprofit means that we can do this work and it's part of our mission. Um, but, you know, us as an intermediary organization, um, we, we, we don't get any support for doing that work. You know, it, it really has to be part of our core mission as a nonprofit to make that happen. But if we didn't exist, it'd be hard to get any organization to corral any group to make this happen. So um, finally, uh, there needs to be a real kind of sector-wide uh, marketing campaign and push around this. So um, the development of, a, of a, a central website for the game sector specifically that highlights new cohorts that are taking place, highlights new um, uh, potential standards that are happening um, and, um, and, and makes it really easy for anyone from the game sector to jump on board or a candidate to jump on board. And we've, we're doing some early work of that at the moment. We've got a, um, uh, the website apprenticeship.games, um, apprenticeships.games, um, that we're, we're kind of developing at the moment to try and make that a space for that to happen. But, you know, all these things are in the early stages. So, you know, certainly it's going to be a really exciting 12 months. We've got our first co- cohort of the Level 7 Games program coming in this October. Um, and uh, and I think, yeah, we'll be in a really good place over the next kind of two years to get to where we want to get to, which is um, roughly kind of 200 apprentices a year, I think, by 2024. That's what we're aiming for for the sector. Um, and we hope it's more than that, but but certainly that's that's a, a relatively ambitious goal considering the current amount of apprentices that exist. So um, yeah, a lot, a lot of work to do, but hopefully a, an exciting bunch of work to do. Uh, in- incredible! Your ambition is is uh, fantastic, and and you know I, I hope you get to where you want to be two hundred uh, in two years' time. But yes, like you said, that is a lot of work, and some of that is practical work that you need to do obviously setting up all of these things that you do but the other part is the fact I mean your report even highlighted it Susie that only 13% of studios actually think that the current apprenticeship standards are suitable for the game sector you've got to change opinion and that's sometimes harder than putting in the practical groundwork that is true yes (laughs) I mean, like I said, all the work we already talked about that we're doing in terms of educating people and making them understand um, the benefits is, is a first step to that. But we also, we like like Declan mentioned, we have this national strategy group and we really hope that that can have a big impact because we have a lot of people in there who really believe in apprenticeships uh, and believe in creating, you know, new standards, new trial based groups or examining existing standards and see how can we take what's already there and make it more relevant fast so we can start, you know, exploring different areas. Um and I also hope that if anyone is listening to this <laughs> and things like, yeah, I want to change the games industry and the way it operates uh, and I want to help create more apprenticeship standards that are relevant, uh, always good to get in touch with us and reach out because we, it, it is really a group effort. Like we ha- It's also, I, I came on board to work on apprenticeships. I have not worked in this realm before, so I also learned a lot, a lot of it also through your podcast. So thanks for making that. Um and what really impressed me is, you know, how many people are working together to to change it and improve it. And I hope we can use that momentum and that positive energy and, and that drive to reach more and more studios. Um, 
And I think another thing that will change opinions is just hearing and spreading and sharing success stories of of the apprentices that are already out there. We've heard nothing but good things. Um, someone on the panel that we were at earlier even mentioned that their apprentice has recently been uh, taken up into a permanent exhibition at a museum in London <laughs> because they wanted to highlight apprenticeships. And now one of the tech artists is in a museum. And that's that's a really nice thing. you know. <laughs> I'm just finally, I'm just wondering, Declan, is there something about the fact it's called the game sector or gaming industry I'm just thinking I mean it's been a long time since I went to school but if I told my teacher or my mum or something I, <laughs> I want to I want to be a gate in the gaming industry I don't think they take it that seriously they, I mean they'd be encouraging me not to do it and get on with my homework <laughs> yeah it's a big problem it's a big problem yeah <laughs> absolutely um uh, you know I mean it's kind of weird as well because right. you know you on one side uh, of course, you know, the outputs of the game set industry are, I don't know, some might say kind of frivolous time wastes, potentially. <laughs> I wouldn't say that. I'd say you know, amazing little pieces of art that you, you get to play and, and have experiences with. But, you know, some parents might think that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, obviously the, the actual fact is it's probably one of the most difficult industries to be in in the world. You know, the, mm. the amount of skills, and the, the, the different skills that have to work together to create that kind of output but yeah i think i think there is a there's definitely a um a, a, a bit of a, a re-education process with parents you know to to let them know um you know what what the game into what the possibilities are in the games industry and that it is a viable viable industry and that is massively growing and that um you know it, it's I, I guess if we call these things game skills actually you know the skills it takes to make a game or, or whatever part of those skills are you know kind of 3d sculpting or programming or you know whatever it is you know or, or, or organization or the production of something they're like you know th those skill needs are only becoming increasingly needed in other sectors so you know you, you can the, the, the things you learn as a as a 3D designer in games can be applicable to architecture or applicable even to things like medicine or, you know, other, loads of other areas are starting to, you know, see this convergence of, of, of kind of creative technology skills that are needed to um, engage with things like the metaverse or VR and AR or th things like this that, that, are that are pervasive across different skill sectors will only become more in demand and more in need. So, you know, um, you might train to become or want to become somebody that comes that makes games but invariably you'll probably be somewhere else you know and and somewhere really surprising um and i think that's an, that's an interesting thing for parents to see as well you know it's not just about making games mm. you know um uh, it's 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 much bigger than that much broader than that but yeah, we're, uh, in, you know, if you're a parent, you're listening to this and you want more information, uh, you know, intergames.org is a really good place to start. And, you know, we often have conversations with parents. Um, there are lots of parents out there that want to know more and are really open to it. Um, and, and we're always open to talking to them and letting them know. And um, there is a, there's a lot of information out there, um, but the, the tide's changing, you know, um, I, I think, I think those, that, 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 that kind of understanding that the gaming sector isn't a viable sector for your child is going to change and it will not be the overarching narrative in 10 years time. Absolutely. You know, because games are everywhere and will continue to be everywhere and will be a part of your everyday life, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and that sounds quite <laughs> ominous, but um, I mean it in a good way. You've been told. Declan, Susie, thank you so much for your time. And thank you, of course, to Anna and to you for listening to this episode of All About Apprenticeships. If you want to get in touch to have your say on anything we've been talking about today, you can find the HomeServe Foundation on Twitter at HSV underscore foundation. Just use the hashtag All About Apprenticeships. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave a rating and hit subscribe. 
it helps other people find us. 